0: How's it going, everybody? Uh, Thank you for tuning in to our online Connect Point with Project 39. For those of you who have been wondering what Project 39 is, Project 39 is a ministry of Greater Bakersfield's First Pentecostal Church with Pastor Kevin Bradford. And our vision and our goal is to extend and to expand what's already been established into new areas of our city and plant apostolic churches. Uh, Bakersfield's a city of about 400,000 people, and we are excited about the opportunity to launch out into something new. And when we're talking about ministry, we're talking about reaching people. There's a lot of churches that got their start in the children's ministry and connecting with the kids of their community. So for tonight's uh, Connect Point Online, we've asked somebody to come on to our podcast that is very experienced in the home mission uh, scenario and also very, very, very well qualified in the children's ministry. And that is Pastor Tyler Hodge from Apostolic Lighthouse of Oildale. Pastor Tyler Hodge, thank you so much for coming on the Online Connect Point.
1: It's it's an honor to be here, Brother Cosme. Um, Love what you guys are doing with Project 39, following you guys on Instagram, praying for you guys daily, weekly at the church that I pastor, uh, believing for great things. We're neighbors, actually, in ministry. Uh, Your home church is only uh, three miles away from the church that I pastor. But um, like you said earlier, there's 400,000 people in the city. Love what you guys are doing.
0: Amen. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, Before we go into any uh, details with the children's ministry, uh, you grew up in a home missions background uh, with your mom and your dad in Lake Isabella. If you would, why don't you just uh, step back and just tell us a little bit about your upbringing and tell us a little bit about your experience with home missions.
1: Sure. Well, uh, I'm the oldest of three boys, my mom and dad, Martha and Chris and Martha Hodge. Started a church up in Lake Isabella, California, a small rural mountain lake community in central uh, California, about an hour east of Bakersfield. And it was a very small community. Matter of fact, the the city that I grew up in and where the church is located now is in a community called Mountain Mesa. And there's literally like 800 people that live there in the city uh, or community, I guess is what we would call it. But um, it's a, it's, it, it was quite an experience, I tell you, growing up being involved in the kingdom of God on the level of home missions, because you didn't have the structure of a big church, uh, you certainly didn't have the community uh, that an established church has, or uh, the developed ministries that would come along with that, and I know that you had my dad uh, on here, interviewed him, Uh, a a, a while back. And so I won't get too much into the the nuances of how it all got started. But I can tell you from a home missions, kids perspective, my parents made sure that our that us as children never felt like we were being um, left out, I guess, is the best way that I could describe it. They were very intentional with making sure that we were going to youth camps, junior camps, conferences, we were heavily involved in Bible quizzing. And so while the whole mission setting didn't provide us a local fellowship and structure, uh, we certainly got plugged into a larger fellowship. Um, and, and we went to as much stuff as possible. And it really made me and my brothers pretty well-rounded in the areas of ministry, um, just because you didn't really have a whole lot of people to, to have do stuff. Somebody needed to clean the toilets. Uh, Tyler, go grab a, a, a sponge. Somebody need to mow the lawn. Tyler, go grab the lawnmower and get go out there and mow the lawn. Um, you know, outreach, <clears throat> Bible studies, music, taking up offering. Uh, my dad, you know, he was a, still is a bivocational pastor. And uh, I worked for his business. And there was times that on a Wednesday night, midweek Bible study, he'd be working late and was stuck in traffic. Couldn't get back in time for the midweek service, and we wouldn't know that until you know thirty minutes before church started because there was an accident in the canyon and he couldn't get home. And so, uh, remember, as a teenager, he'd he'd call me up, Tyler. You're going to have to teach tonight. Thirty minute heads up, fifteen year old kid, and uh, that was just kind of the, the the norm, you know, just having to be instant in season and out of season, um, getting ready to use the word of God. And, uh, even though we sacrificed a lot to start the church, we never felt like our childhood was being sacrificed. Our parents were very intentional, making sure that we were, uh, involved. Um, even as young children, my mom was our Sunday school teacher, uh, and there were most Sundays at the very beginning where the only ones in class was me and my two little brothers. And my mom had an object lesson and a story and a craft and everything together, regardless of the fact that there wasn't other kids there. It was just us. And they, they took it seriously. They took the ministry very seriously, even if it was their own family. And so I encourage any home missionaries out there or anybody looking to start a church. If you don't have a children's ministry, but you have children, then you have a children's ministry. If you have your own kids, uh, we got to start at home, you know, and that's, that's really the crux of home missions. You know, I don't believe home missionaries, um, those burdens and that commitment spawns from an altar at a church. I think that home missionaries develop their burden and have those conversations with their spouse and really meditate on god's call on their life when they're at home and uh, it's verified and solidified at church but it starts in the home for sure um you know in in deuteronomy chapter six after the shema israel is given the commandment hero israel the lord our god is one lord love the lord your god with everything that you've got very next commandment is to teach them diligently all the laws of God, this law, this commandment that God has given us to teach them diligently to your children. And I know that's talking about our personal children. And so that's, if that's all you got to work with in your home mission setting, don't, don't get frustrated if you don't have a bus ministry yet or a transportation ministry, or you don't have a bunch of, you know, sinner kids in the congregation, because those babies that God gave you to go start that work wherever you're at, that's, that's just as important of a ministry as going out and reaching center kids. So uh, I'm grateful that my parents instilled that into us. And that's kind of a little bit of our background, my background anyway, as far as being a home missions preacher's kid.
0: Um, so now a little bit about the children's ministry. Uh, how did you first get into children's ministry? What were some of your beginnings and some of the things you started doing initially to get involved and to learn how children's ministry works?
1: So like I mentioned earlier, my parents really got us involved in ministry um, at a pretty young age. And I think that, you know, development of children's ministers really, I guess, can start when you develop ministry in your children. And I don't know if that, that made sense or not, but Uh, I remember as a kid, they would, like I said, they'd get us involved in praise and worship. They'd get us involved in playing instruments in the main sanctuary, but that's just because that's who was available. We took up offerings. We were door greeters. We went on outreach every Saturday. Um, We would do community cleanups. We'd go out into the community and pick up trash, inviting people to church, let them know that we're here to better our community uh, and, and serve the community. I remember doing that as a young child, but as I got a little older into my teen years, um, I think just because of the experiences and the opportunities that my mom and dad gave me, there was kind of a a leadership um, element to me and my brothers that kind of naturally evolved uh, from the rest of the kids that were at our church at the time that we did win to God and families at the church uh, that had children. And so even though I was more of a peer to some of them, not much older than them, I started teaching Sunday school at a very young age, you know, 15, 16 years old, I'm teaching Sunday school uh, at 18 years old. I was the youth pastor there at the church and uh, there was other 18 year olds. There was some college and career kids there. I was a little bit older than I was, uh, but there was still that, that, like I said, that leadership back that I believe was instilled because of the experiences and opportunities my parents gave me. But uh, when I got married to my wife, uh, Brianna, then Frost, she was involved in bus ministry there in your church in greater Bakersfield's first Pentecostal church. And her parents were the Sunday school superintendents there. And she was involved in teaching a Sunday school class, the sister, Myra Cuevas. And uh, she was her assistant. <clears throat> and I remember since our Sunday service was in the afternoon when I was dating Brianna, I would go down on Sunday mornings and uh, help her in her Sunday school class and ride with her on her Sunday school bus. And I just wanted to be around her all the time. And so I know during those uh, early days of my exposure to children's ministry, those were very formative for me. A lot of the opportunities that I had with the clown ministry, with the junior camp way back in the day when First Pentecostal Church hosted a, a great junior camp up in Alta Sierra Christian camp. I was very involved in that and uh, but when we got married and Brianna moved to Lake Isabella, uh, we began teaching Sunday school together. Uh, we started doing children's church together. and at the time the Sunday school wasn't you know popping or anything like that. It wasn't a huge department. We probably had about you know 12 kids coming on any, on any given Sunday. But uh, we just really developed the burden for it there in the classroom. And uh, we saw a great growth in attendance. We started having over 20 kids coming. Um, And a lot of them were community kids, not just center kids, but I mean, kids that lived in the neighborhood. And they would walk to Sunday school. And it got to the point where there were kids walking to Wednesday night service. They would hear that we had a midweek gathering. And they was walking to our church on a midweek. I'm talking like eight, nine-year-old kids. And uh, midweek was very, uh, a much different pace than Sunday morning children's church. And these were kids that did not frequent church. So they didn't know how to act in a normal service. They were kind of getting distracting. They were a little bored. And so my wife and I approached my parents and said, hey, look, just for this next month, and we do children's church on a Wednesday night for these kids. Teach them how to worship, teach them how to praise, teach them how to get involved in service and be respectful in a church setting. And they gave us permission to do that. And so we started having children's church. We had Sunday school class, more of a classroom set up on Sunday morning, and then children's church on Wednesday night. And during that children's church, that um, span of us doing children's church, we had three kids get the Holy Ghost um, in the middle of that. And around that same time, Brother Bradford uh, or somebody from the school. I can't remember uh, who had reached out to me initially, but um, I began doing chapel services over at Bethel as well. And uh, before you know it, there was kids getting the Holy Ghost at chapel service in Bethel. And it just, it seemed like I was connecting with kids and I I was already involved in youth ministry and in ministry at that point. But I just, I didn't know that I was going to be going down a children's ministry path, but God just seemed like he was using me in that aspect. Before I know it, Brother Wilmot's calling me asking if I would come to a junior camp uh, in Southern California. I accepted the invitation, and we ended up having like 42 kids get the Holy Ghost at that junior camp. It was, it was incredible. And uh, after that, it just kind of got out that we were doing it. There's a, such a shortage of children's evangelists out there that uh, I've, I've been pretty busy helping churches out with their children's ministries or children's revivals, VBS, junior camp, whatever they got going on but it is, it is a field that I am so glad a ministry that I'm really glad is making a resurgence today. Churches want bus ministries. Churches want to uh, really develop their children's ministries. And it, and it gives me a lot of joy seeing that. And I pray that it's not just a fad or a trend, but I think that when churches see the effectiveness of children's ministry done, Right. Even if it, in its infancy, you know, in a whole mission setting, I'm telling you, I've seen churches built on Sunday school and bus ministry. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to share a couple of experiences and tips for anybody out there um, to give you some direction on what you can do to start a children's ministry or to kind of give you what to expect anyway. So that's kind of my start in children's ministry.
0: Yeah, so um, in children's ministry, what do you think are some of the misconceptions of children's ministry? What are some things maybe that people don't understand completely about children's ministry that, from your experience, you know, you could give us some insight into?
1: Yeah, well, the obvious one obviously would be, you know, it's babysitting so the adults can have church. Um, I I think that's definitely a, a common misconception. Um, that we're just going to entertain the kids, uh, which the truth of the matter is kids don't come to Sunday school unless their parents are super spiritual. But I guarantee you, if you're carving a work out of nothing and you're starting with brand new kids in the community whose parents don't go to church, they don't have a Sunday school background, they're not apostolic, Pentecostal, fourth generation kids, um, they're not coming to church to get filled with all the Holy Ghost. Their expectation isn't to come to church and, and get baptized in Jesus name and run the aisles. They are not coming for the reasons we want people to come. They're coming for a change of pace. They're coming out of curiosity, but most of all, they're coming because they expect to have fun. They expect to have a good time. Um, You know, my wife and I recently, we were out driving around doing some business errands and we saw some kids in an apartment complex tossing a football around in the parking lot. And we pull in and I get out with my wife and kids and I smile at these kids and uh, they they've never met me before. I'm a complete stranger. But I walk up to them with my boys and I'm like, hey, guys, I saw you playing out here and I just wanted to come over here and talk to you and your parents because I want to invite you somewhere. That is totally epic. You will have the time of your life, but uh, I've got to talk to your mom first. Is she around? And those kids like, like I acted like, I just gave them an invitation to go to Disneyland. Like they were so excited. I didn't even tell them where I was inviting them, but I was just giving this expectation that it's going to be a good time. They don't want to miss out on it. We want to make Sunday school fun. We want to make it inviting. We want to make it epic for the kids that, that, don't really know what Sunday school or church even means for, you know, to an eight-year-old. So we want them to have a good time, but it's not, it's not kids empire. If you don't know what that is, it's, it's a, it's a kid's amusement park, indoor amusement park here in Bakersfield with slides and you know, a ball pit and stuff. It's not Chuck E. Cheese. We are a church and we have certain agendas. We have an agenda. We've got to have an agenda with these kids. The world has an agenda. And so the fact that we could treat children's ministry, I think the misconception is that we could treat children's ministry like an auxiliary ministry within the church when really it is, it is soul winning. That is the church's job. It's to win souls and children's ministry is not an auxiliary department. It's not just an arm of the church. Hey, these kids are souls. They're, they're the church. I hear it said frequently that kids are the church of tomorrow, you know, and uh, I think that's another misconception. Kids aren't the church of tomorrow. Kids are souls today. Kids need salvation today. Um, And and they might not be on drugs. You know, they might not be able to pay tithes (laughs) or put money in the offering plate. They might not be, you know, preaching the message. They might not be joining the, the young minister's development course right now given Bible studies and winning souls like we would hope a new convert would bring that energy into a, a, a new church plant or a church in general for that matter. But at the same time, we're fulfilling the commission We're we're going and we're preaching the gospel to every creature, not just the old creatures, but to, to any soul who needs Jesus. And so the, and that's another misconception that, you know, it's, it's just a place to have, have fun uh, to make sure the kids are engaged. Yeah. We need to have an agenda. Uh, with that, that's okay to have fun, but we, we need to be very intentional with what we do with our children's ministry and, and try to have a, a visioned trajectory of where we want to take our children's ministry. Um, we don't just want to see it grow in attendance, because uh, I've, seen, I've seen it, I've been a part of it. Children's ministry that's blowing up with attendance, and there's no spiritual growth or development for prayer or any spiritual concepts it's a jungle, man. It's just a jungle. And so we've got to have an agenda. Kids aren't the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Here's the truth about it though. If you want to say anything about the kids of tomorrow is that they're not the church of tomorrow. They're the leaders of tomorrow because kids grow up. And the idea of Sunday school is to take them from nursery class to kindergarten, to beginner, to primary, to preteen, to youth, to college, and to career and for the rest of their life. Like whenever I have a bus kid that comes into our church, I want to see that kid in our youth group 10 years from now, you know? And so it's, it's, it's definitely not a fast track, but it's the long-term investment, the longest term investment of discipleship that a church can ever have as a Sunday school program.
0: So, um, with your experience and everything you've seen in the children's ministry, what are some challenges of wanting to start something? What are some of the things that you've recognized as obstacles for someone wanting to start a children's ministry?
1: Um, one of the things that I've told churches when I do Sunday school trainings with their team, uh, and the whole missions, you might not have a team. Um, your team might comprise your family or a family in the church. It's not like you have a bunch of different families coming together. You don't have a department yet. You just have this ambiguous idea of what you would like to have. And that's really what Home Missions is. Is you There's not a church, but you see one there. And you're you're going in faith that God is with you and you're going to plant something that wasn't there before. And so with children's ministry, I believe that in a lot of ways, we don't think... Big enough or far enough, you know, um, far enough in that when we're reaching a child, we're not just reaching them at the age that they're at, but if we could consistently build a relationship with them and get them involved in the service of what we're trying to accomplish, the building of the church, outreach, music, um, uh, Bible quizzing, uh, all of these things, then it gets them excited and and helps them commit to a long-term relationship with the church. Um, And big enough is, 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 is kind of obvious. You know, when we are first starting out, we might have a small facility or we might have small staff or small, a small budget, or we might not have a bus ministry. You got to look and see what you have as capable for God to use to do great big things. If you don't have a huge facility, if you only have one classroom, or you don't even have any classrooms, you could possibly have an, uh, uh, a 30-minute um, blitz. So what that, what that would entail is uh, a hyperspeed children's church. So you would take what you would do in a children's church service or in a Sunday school, 30 minutes prior to service beginning like main worship beginning and just have like a 30 minute powwow for the kids, you know, where you teach a lesson, you sing some songs, you do a skit, you tell a story, do an object lesson and you call them to pray. Um, You might not be doing a whole breakfast and, you know, an hour and a half Sunday school lesson uh, with activities and everything, but you're, you're doing something to engage them. Um, another thing is, too, that I think is a temptation. And this, I guess, could go back to the misconceptions of Sunday school. Um, but we gotta, we, we've got to be able to identify ministering to kids as its own thing. Because a lot of churches, a lot of people see children's ministry as a foot in the door for the rest of the family which the reality of that is that if you can effectively reach that child, then it's going to be contagious. That spirit, that light, that, that, that Holy ghost is going to follow them home. And, um, I've seen it many, many times where a child could win siblings, grandparents, parents, um, friends, neighbors, and bring them to church. I've seen it many, many times. It happens. Uh, But that's really a byproduct of what we're doing. You know, we're not reaching the kid to, to, to get to the parents. We want the whole family, of course, but we don't, we don't treat the child. Like it's just, you know, a rung on the ladder that, that child is just as important as everybody else that we're trying to reach. And so having said that, when we approach children's ministry, as long as we're sincere about them and we're not just trying to you know create a sunday school ministry because it's expected us expected for us to have that's what the parents want so we're going to give it to them no if we get a true burden for these kids they're going to feel that a dog knows whether you like them or not a kid is going to be able to tell if we're being sincere and so if if you're sincere It doesn't matter what resources you have. In most cases, that child needs more love in their life. They need more support. They need more encouragement. And they're not going to run from the places that are going to offer that to them. If they feel welcome, if they feel loved and wanted in spite of the low budget, in spite of the, the limited space or the limited time that you have with them, you're going to make an impact and you're going to make a connection. So that's a challenge. It's just really overcoming our expectations of what we would have to have in order to have a successful Sunday school. If you don't have the space, maybe have a 30 minute powwow prior to your main worship service in the main sanctuary. And sometimes that could be exciting for the adults that come because they see that we're trying to start a children's ministry and it can get them excited to invite kids to come. Uh, you could have an outdoor Sunday school. I've seen that uh, happen very frequently, and um, I've even seen Saturday school where they had a separate Sunday school service or children's service uh, that was totally separate from their Sunday routine, You know, like we were doing on a Wednesday night children's church. Um, n- there's no rule in the book that Sunday school has to be done on Sundays. As uh, a matter of fact, if Sunday school is being done right, it's being done every day of the week. You know, because the people that are involved, they're praying about it. They're preparing their lesson. They're making phone calls to the kids and their families. They're making house visits. They're buying stuff and preparing it. And so you don't need the, a massive budget. If you have sincerity and you just be intentional with what you're teaching. That's why I encourage, like, get on get on a certain curriculum. Pentecost Publishing House has curriculum. Um, ApostolicSundaySchool.com is a great resource for people looking for object lesson ideas or lesson ideas in general, uh, next level kid That was brother James Wang's, uh, kid children's ministry. I have a resource that I'm, I'm, I'm rolling out called kids And it's very, the, the website's very, uh, uh, it's in its infant stages. Let's just put it that way. But I, I have a burden to get app salt curriculum out there for people, but as much as you can utilize other resources, go to Sunday school training seminars, send somebody that's helping you out with your church plant to a Sunday schools training seminar. Um, uh, there's one in Redlands in April. As a matter of fact, I can, I want to, I want to do a shout out for this. So pardon me. Let me get the date for that because it has been such an incredible blessing to a lot of people who've been involved. Um, Okay. April 29th and 30th of 2022 in Redlands, California Hope Center, brother BJ Wilmoth, uh, me and our brother Brandon Wilmoth now, sorry, me and Philip Booker, we kind of organize, uh, an annual children's ministry workshop and people from all over the nation come to it. It's an incredible event. And so I'm sure we could put some more information in the, uh, the podcast notes here, but, um, I could give you the registration website and all that. But so look at look at Sunday school for the long term. Not just what not just that you have to have a Sunday school department, but not that you're trying to reach the whole family. So you're gonna use this kid to get your foot in the door. No, reach them as souls and just be sincere with them. Uh talk to them when they're there. Don't ignore them unless you're teaching to them. Like High five them as they're walking down the hallway, you know, give them a hug as soon as you see them in the parking lot, you know, treat them like you want them there and not just their parents. Uh, And, and if you can make that connection, that personal connection with those kids, then um, it, it really doesn't matter how well decorated the class is. It doesn't matter, you know, how many teachers are on the team. That one person Can really make a huge impact on some kids lives so
0: so with project 39 a lot of what we're trying to do is start with uh contacts well start with connections and then get contacts then follow up with you know creating friendships relationships getting into bible studies Uh, the process of trying to disciple someone and bring them to you know being an established member of the kingdom of god What does that process look like for Sunday school kids, you know, going out, making connections, getting contacts, following up, bringing them? What's the process of all that look like for Sunday school ministry, children's ministry?
1: Me and Philip Booker and James Wang, for uh, for, for that matter, we all kind of have this saying that with children, when they come to church, they deal in a certain currency. And that currency is fun. Like, If you give them enough fun, then they're going to give you more attention. Um, And so when we're doing outreach, obviously this works with any type of outreach. You need to be sincere. You need to be smiling when you're knocking on a door or you're passing out a flyer. But with kids, what we've found is that the more excited you are that you're inviting them to come to Sunday school. And the more you hype up your Sunday school, uh, the more of a chance that they're going to be excited to come. And um, if they don't come, especially starting out, I would recommend going back to the same places a few times before you just throw in the towel and say, man, we tried that apartment complex and no kids wanted to come. No, listen, if there was kids in that apartment complex, uh, go back and, and try something else. You know, take, take them a football. Say, hey, let's, why don't we go outside and play some, you know, throw a football around. Take some animal balloons. You know, Philip Booker has some tutorials on his website on appstalksundayspool.com. Get on YouTube. Learn how to make an animal balloon. Uh, take some talkies. Kids love Takis. or hot Cheetos. You know, pass out some stuff, you know, and get them hyped up. And if they don't come that first time around, go back a second time. And try to build a connection with them, get their parents familiarized with you and what you're trying to do. Um, Another thing that my wife and I had done in Lake Isabella is we had pop-up Sunday school. So what that was is we would go to um, a neighborhood that had a park and we would just cut, we would do a real fast uh, outreach on a couple of blocks and let all the families know that we were gonna be having a, 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 uh, a kid's powwow in the park with a candy rain. And what I would do is I'd climb a tree and I'd throw candy out of the tree. We'd set up, set up our portable puppet stage, which you could get online. It's an investment, but it's like huge for home missions. Cause you could take it anywhere. Uh, we would set up a puppet stage. We would um, have a portable speaker and we'd sing some songs in the park. We'd pass out candy and we'd get, it wasn't an invitation to church. It was an invitation to the park where the families would bring their kids because they're curious about what this powwow thing was all about. And it would work great in apartment complexes because most apartment complexes have a little park and like a little quad area or whatever. So you could get all these people into the central location, give them a sneak preview as to what you do on every Sunday with children's church, and then give them the invitation from there. That way the parents kind of see what, what goes on at, at your Sunday school The kids are getting broke into what they can expect and they learn, they're learning that, Hey, look, this isn't just a hyped up invitation. We actually have fun. And, um, and that's the other important thing. You got to deliver. If you're going to hype up Sunday school, that it's the best thing in the world you're competing against Hollywood and Disneyland and all their friends at school and all their interests and on, on their Xbox or their PS five, it better be interesting. You know, it doesn't have to be top of the line as far as decor and, you don't have to have a, you don't need to be sending a rocket space, a rocket ship to Mars as far as an object lesson is concerned, but uh, it's got to be engaging. It's got to be interesting. And uh, I think there's a lot of resources online to help you with that. But I think earning a family's trust is a big thing, especially in an in a, in a affluent area. I'm in a side of town where I could go up to a household, knock on the door and say, Hey, I want to take your kids to church with me this Sunday. Give me your number. I'll come pick them up at eight o'clock in the morning. And the parents are like, cool, where do I sign up? You go to other parts of town and that that strategy just doesn't work. You got to go back a few times. You got to build rapport with these people. And so as far as like connecting, I think giving it time and, and showing up more than just one time, it might be necessary. But then after that, getting them to church is key because... You know, with with adults, you could give a home Bible study for a year before they even come to church. and You're still making progress spiritually. But with a kid, they they just got to get to Sunday school. They got to get to church. You can only throw a football around so much and and have a gospel conversation with them on the playground. um, And it be and not and not be very effective. You got to get them in the Sunday school class. So I think that's really important is getting them there. And having something prepared for them when they show up. So, um, but as far as discipleship is concerned, I think, you know, getting them involved. <clears throat> uh, and this helps too, if you have a limited team and you just have one person teaching a class, instead of being a talking head for an hour, getting the kids involved, you know, letting the kids, um, after they've been coming for a while and they've get, gotten acquainted to some, with some of the songs, having the kids lead singing, um, you know, narrating the Bible story and letting the kids act it out. Uh, that's using the kids, using the kids to take up offering, using the kids to pray at any given point, pray, pray to open, pray to for the prayer requests, pray to close. Like you're using the kids and engaging them. That's all a part of their spiritual development, you know, and so, I think as far as child discipleship, I think Sunday school should do a good job as far as the knowledge base, but you got to be able to give them opportunity to be used in the spiritual and the uh, service aspect of it too, because that's really where they're going to get connected and want to stay because they feel purposeful.
0: Now for somebody actually, you know, in real, real time, they're, setting up a event they're setting up a Sunday school classroom a children's night whatever it is what are some things that work really well for actually the service itself that time spent with the kids a a timeline of what they can do and what what are some things that have worked really well
1: well there's a lot of elements um here I think uh like I said we have to have an agenda so whenever you have something going on for the kids you can have a theme for it whatever that's fine jungle theme or black light or whatever we just last Sunday at our church, we had a black light Sunday. Um, But that's not really our agenda. Like that's kind of the, the, the vehicle we're delivering our content through, but we don't want them to go home and their parents say, what did you learn in Sunday school today? Oh, well, we learned about, you know, black lights. Cool. (laughs) No, we have, we have an agenda here. And so I think the best thing to do is to identify what you want to teach in that event to the kids and what we would call that is your Bible point. It's got to be spiritual. And I like it to be bi- biblically based. You know, it's not just, you know, brush your teeth two times a day. You know, it's not like a, a life principle, but it's a Bible principle. And so we call this our Bible point. So a good example of a Bible point would be, you know, uh, God is one or um, I must be born again. You know, Biblical principles that is easy to be remembered with one phrase. That's a Bible point. And so then you take that Bible point, your agenda of what you want to deliver in that event, and then you surround all these elements to help teach that Bible point. So you could use songs. You could use skits. There's different types of skits. You could do an ad lib skit. You could do a narration where somebody is telling the story or explaining a certain uh, set of events and have the kids act it out as you tell the story. That's a really great way to get them engaged. Um, You could do puppets. If you have puppets, even if you have one puppet, if you could just invest in one puppet and you don't even have a puppet stage, you could hide that puppet somewhere and have a puppet human interaction skit to where the puppets playing dumb and, the humans trying to teach the puppet a lesson and the puppet can't get it right. Right. Um, You do object lessons using magic tricks or illusion uh, illusions or science experiments. Uh, But object lessons don't have to be magic tricks or science experiments. You could use a chair. You could use an apple. An object lesson is really anything that appeases to the senses. So for example, my wife, one time she baked bread in an easy bake oven in a Sunday school class one time and talked about how Jesus is the bread of life. And those kids, even to this day, they remember that lesson because the smell of fresh baked bread in the classroom was like so intense. Um, You could have a dead fish from a market and put a coin in its mouth and have a kid dig out the coin. That kid will never forget the story about how Peter found the tax money in the dead fish's mouth. Right. It wasn't a magic trick. It wasn't a science experiment, but it was something tangible that was made memorable uh, that made the lesson memorable to the child so you use object lessons um obviously you could use stories which a lot of times i like to tell stories in ways that are engaging so they're more like skit oriented but if you don't have the people for a skit if you're gonna tell a story you gotta be you know don't be monotone don't be boring you gotta use your body gotta use your face um Obviously with a small group, you know, getting started out, it's okay to take prayer requests. You get wacky prayer requests though, from kids, (laughs) Um, especially that's not used to that kind of stuff. We had a kid one time ask for us to pray for his Scooby. I don't know what his Scooby is. I I, even to this day, I have no idea what his Scooby is. And the rest of the kids gave their prayer requests. And the kid was a little mentally challenged. He he had some form of autism and um, I prayed for all the requests. And I left his Scooby out because I figured he, he wouldn't remember having even requested it. And when I said, in Jesus' name, amen, that poor kid stood up so offended. He's like, hey, you didn't pray for my Scooby. And I'm like, okay, Jesus touches Scooby. Whatever whatever Scooby is, God, you know. you know." And so you get funky stuff. But that's just children's ministry. You're going to get funky stuff all the time. But um, you could also do memory verse. Uh, you can do games, but what I encourage people to do with games, we have limited amount of time with them. And remember we have an agenda. And so if you're going to do games, sometimes it's fun just to get them moving, break the ice a little bit, engage them, but try to make your game revolve around your Bible point somehow, some way tie it together. So those are some ideas that you could do. Obviously you could have snack too. If you want to tie that in somehow with a story, uh, you could do that. Um, but uh, as far as the event is concerned, I think engagement, <clears throat> including the kids in what you're doing and not just presenting something to them, it's not a show. you know, We want them to get involved. And uh, that's where it's going to make the most impact is when they're engaged. So just remember it's not just entertainment. We have an agenda. Engage the kids as much as possible. And you could use each of those elements that I mentioned, songs, puppets, skits, stories, uh, object lessons, snack, um, memory verse, all these things. But you want them all to revolve around your Bible point because that is our agenda. Teach these kids the word of God and uh, see them filled with the Holy Ghost and discipled. So as
0: far as organizing a Sunday school you know, you're, you're trying to get resources together. You've got people that want to be involved. What are some things that help on the organization side of this ministry to make sure that, you know, things run smoothly?
1: Sure. Sure. And, you know, I think in the beginning stages of a Sunday school department, it's incredibly fluid. I mean, you're probably, you're probably going to change the way that you approach Sunday school a billion times before you actually stick to something. And really until it scales to the point where you have a lot of teachers involved, or a lot of kids in attendance, then it can remain fluid for quite a while. You could jump back and forth from Sunday school classes to children's church, back to Sunday school classes. And, and I mean, you could, you could do a lot while it's in its infancy. Um, it's very malleable. Uh, but as far as the structure of it is concerned, I think preparation is going to provide the biggest structure, teacher preparation. So maybe you don't have a children's pastor or a Sunday school superintendent, whatever, uh, you know, a kid's men director or whatever you want to call it. Maybe you don't have that title yet. And you just have a couple of people that's wanting to help get a children's ministry together. What I would encourage is that it's an incredibly collaborative effort. There's no big eyes and little U's because there's no leadership, core leadership involved unless maybe the pastor or the pastor's wife wants to help direct it. Um, But really what I encourage is getting together for a once a week meeting, or at least a phone call. I, I would say if in the beginning stages of it, you probably need to be meeting in person and get your lesson plan together for that Sunday, maybe get a theme together for that month and just try to build your lessons and delegate certain elements out. So say, for example, you have three people that want to be involved in teaching. Well, guess what? Not one of them is going to be the Sunday school teacher. All of them are just involved in children's ministry at project 39. And so those three people are going to get together and they're going to discuss what they want to teach the kids. What's important to teach the kids during the season. And then they're going to take turns teaching the lesson they're going to take turns teaching the memory verse. They're going to take turns picking and leading the songs. They're going to take turns doing different elements of the, le- of the class or of the children's church. That way they get developed. They get well-rounded. Each of them find out what their strengths and weaknesses are. And what I've seen happen in a lot of cases is that team effort in the infancy stage. Somebody's going to rise up to be the natural leader of the group. Sometimes you get, you know, uh, a couple of people that are both leaders and sometimes they could butt heads. Sometimes they could work really well together and the team approach just continues to work. But, uh, I would say, you know, have those weekly meetings where you're going over what you're going to be doing, delegate it to each other, say, okay, who's going to take care of the lesson? Who's going to take care of the object lesson and make sure it's prepared in advance. And you're not just walking in there and say, okay, let's do Sunday school. What are we doing? No. No. Be prepared as a team, have clear-cut expectations and roles Sunday to Sunday. It might not be a permanent role. It might not be a pastor-given role. But as a team, we're going to get this done, you know, and it's for the kids. So the structure is very, you know, collaborative in the infancy of it all.
0: So with everything we've gone over now, all the tips, all the advice, everything you've shared with us up to this point, uh, what are some testimonies? What are some stories you can share with us that would encourage us to see the impact and the effect that Sunday school can have on a church and it can have on a community? What are some things that you can testify about that you've seen happen?
1: If you could maintain the kids that you have coming, the main sanctuary, the church, you know as as the adult congregation is concerned, They may not see the attendance. They might not see the activity. They might not see the development of the kids in the back in the Sunday school area or with the kids' church or whatever. Um, But give it eight years, and those kids are now in the youth group. Those kids are now being involved in in outreach themselves and and involved in singing and and playing instruments and uh, developing the ministry and all these things. Give it, give it twelve years. Give it ten years. They're getting married. They're going to college, they're getting jobs, they're paying their tithes. I'm telling you a good Sunday school program that's effective in maintaining and discipling children and maintaining that connection with them, it could change the face of the church in, in a matter of five years, it could double, triple, even quadruple a church has the potential to do that within the matter of 10 years. Uh, And so I, I think that just that as a principle is important to note, but as far as the testimony is concerned, I've got a couple of testimonies. Um, you know, I, I've shared when we, we had kids walking to church on Wednesday night because they loved what they felt Sunday morning and they felt the connection there. Those same kids, they knew where we lived. I mean, it's a town of 800 people, right? They knew where we lived. We lived a couple of blocks from the church. Those kids would walk to our house after school and we would give them like little mini Sunday school lessons at our house and feed them a snack um, during the week. And that just kind of shows the the connection that we made with them. But I've had many, many kids that have grown up from Sunday school age into the youth group age and, and maintain a walk with God. And some of them move, some of them don't make it. Some of them backslide, you know, middle school, high school age, but the seeds that we put in them, sometimes it takes 20 years for that seed to really mature and bear fruit. We can't judge God's timetable. We could just sow seeds and who knows for sure if it was, uh, if, if the seed was choked out, who knows for sure if the seed, you know, uh, was baked up by the sun, who knows if it was eaten up by the birds. God really knows what's going to happen to that seed. It's not our job. What happens to the seed? Our job is to sow the seed into these kids. And so I've seen kids as young as three years old get the Holy Ghost. Um, I was at a junior camp one time. Uh, it was my first junior camp ever I've ever done. And there were twins, boy a boy and a girl, praying on opposite sides of the altar. Neither one of them had the Holy Ghost. They were bus kids. They didn't have parents in church. And they were praying for the Holy Ghost. And God filled them with the Holy Ghost simultaneously. And so we were saying, man, they were born together. And then they were born again together. And so God cares about kids. Um, I can't tell you how many pastors wives were won by bus ministry. Um, uh, sister Buxton, Aisha Buxton was won by bus ministry. Sister Wilmeth, uh, was won by bus ministry. There's so many people that have been impacted by bus ministry. And we look at them now and their pillars of Pentecost, They're examples to our young ladies and, and, and involved in global ministry and, They're in church today because somebody saw the value in them as a child. And really, I guess I could close out with this Bible story. And it's the Bible story of baby Moses. What does the Bible say? His mother looked upon him, saw that, seeing that he was a goodly child, put him away. And so when she put him away to deliver him from the decree of Pharaoh, that all the Hebrew baby boys were going to be thrown into the Nile, she hides him away. And when time was come to surrender him over to God, you know, she takes a basket of bulrushes. Now that basket of bulrushes is the structure of Sunday school. We've got to have a Sunday school. We've got to have a children's ministry. It can't be overlooked. It's so important that we are reaching our kids. The structure was there, but it wasn't the structure that saved him. She had to take that arc of bulrushes and she daubed it with pitch. I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, equate that with anointing. It's not just having a children's ministry. It's not just having a place for the kids to go. It's not just entertaining them for an hour and throwing them some, you know, uh, fruit snacks in their mouth, but it's praying about it, fasting about it, making sure that the structure is spiritual. It's daubed with pitch safe from the elements of the river, safe from the elements of the world. And it's a spiritual enterprise that we're involved in. And then as, as that mama put that baby in that basket and laid him down in the river, We see Miriam standing off afar off watching, making sure that that baby is going to be safe and protected. And Miriam wasn't a part of the structure. She wasn't a part of building the ark as far as we know, but she was still supportive of it. And so when it comes to home missions or even churches in general, a church that can be supportive of children's ministry, even if they're not hands on in it, but they're praying for it they're watching it grow and they're cheering on the teachers. They're encouraging the kids. They're giving them high fives and hugs. They're not judging the kids. They're not pulling their hair out because they found, you know, a, a sucker on the floor. They're not, they're not, they're not whining and complaining that it's too noisy in the back, but they're being patient and understanding that everybody's doing the best with the resources that they have. You know, I, I think that's, that's essential to make sure that those kids are safe. Cause it, at the end of the day, it didn't matter about Miriam. It didn't matter how pretty the ark was. It didn't matter the uh, structural integrity of the pitch that Mama used to make sure that, that that ark stayed afloat. At the end of the day, what really mattered was that Moses was saved. That's what mattered. And that's what's got to matter to us. It's not about structures. not about titles. You might change things a billion times before you actually stick with something for a while. Um, but if it's anointed if it's intentional and it's supported by the church, it's going to, it's going to save a child.
0: Yeah. Even myself. um, Not a lot of people know this, but the first time I ever came to church was actually in second grade Sunday school. I came one time. um, I remember the lesson was about Saul becoming Paul. Uh, They asked me to be a part of it somehow, some way I don't remember it all. I was in second grade, but a few years later when I was 12 years old, I remember the church. I went back to the church when I got into the group on the foster homes because I remember just that one time. I don't even know why I went to Sunday school, but just those moments, we feel like you never forget them. You know, I've seen people come back to church after many, many, many years, and they remember growing up in Sunday school, riding the bus, uh, T-Rocket Ministry. There's, there's a young man in our church right now who uh, went to T-Rock Ministry for a long time, and now he's he's in church living for God. There's actually a few that I could think of because of the the Sunday School Department of of Greater Bakersfield First Pentecostal Church. So, and I actually
1: shared, can I actually share one more testimony about that? Um, my mom had won a woman to God in Lake Isabella, and she was full grown. You know, she was in her 40s. But her dad, I mean, he was a hippie, dude. I mean, he was hippie. Uh, I mean, every characteristic you could throw at a hippie, and he was it. Um, and he, he wasn't coming to church, but his daughter was won by my mama. And so she was inviting him to church all the time and he never came. So finally two thirty-eight conference rolls around one time and sister Stacy invites her dad to come to conference with them. And he said, you know, I actually, I haven't been to church in so long. There was a church I used to go to in Bakersfield. It was on 36th and O. And, uh, he said, I remember getting picked up as a child on a bus and we would go and we would chant 36th and O is the best place to go. He said, I remember the ladies upstairs, they'd be making peanut brittle and, and, uh, And, man, those were some good memories. That was a great church. And um, the dude's in his 60s, and he hasn't been to church since, you know, his childhood at Sunday school, getting picked up on a bus, and Brother I H Terry's church, and he still remembers, you know. So it just goes, and and his daughter's one to God in a completely separate church, and it's coming back full circle. So you really don't know what's going to happen to the seed. We just got to sow it and trust God with the rest. Amen.
0: So kind of to close this out, I want to talk about a couple of things that you have going on with the children's ministry. First of all is your new song, uh, Kids of the Kingdom. Tell us a little bit about that.
1: So I wrote, I've I've written multiple children's songs. Um, I feel like there's a huge lack of apostolic content in that arena as far as uh, children's music is concerned. And um, so I wrote, I wrote a bunch of songs. That's just one that kind of stood out to me. And so I went to a recording studio a couple of years ago, got it produced, and I finally put it out there. It's on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. You could stream it on pretty much anything. It's called Kids of the Kingdom. Tyler Hodge, obviously, uh, is the artist. And um, uh, yeah, it's just talking about how we're the light of the world and, and we're the hope for the nations and, and we're bringing salvation to the world. And so it's time to get busy, you know. We're, we're, we're all children of God and that's just kind of the influ- uh, inspiration of the song but do you have yeah, any what, uh
0: do you, do you have any of the hand motions for the song
1: yeah I do uh, so I, w- I want to put a music video out not nothing crazy for mef- professional but to show people the motions but I guess if I went over it it would be um the course would go we are we are kids of the kingdom and you kind of like fold your arms and lean against your neighbor and you go, we are, we are fighting for freedom. Punch the air. Jump up now. So jump up. And shout it out. We are, we are hope of the nations. We are, we are bringing salvation. Everybody sing. Jesus, you are king. And we are kids of the kingdom. So, yeah, that's the motions for the course anyway. No, uh, yeah, that'd
0: be awesome. Yeah, we can get that, that video. I know uh, Bristol, my daughter, she loves that song. She sings almost every day coming home from school for the last two weeks. That's she cool. Awesome. Awesome. It. And then uh, cool. lastly is your, your kids ministry uh, website you've been working on. I know we've talked a little bit about it, but why don't you share a little bit about that with us?
1: Well, the website is really pathetic. Let me just put it that way. <laughs> I started a podcast. It's available on Spotify and iTunes as well. Uh, it's called Kids Men You. For Kids Men University. Um, and the idea behind it is that I, with Kids Men University, I wanted to educate, inspire, and challenge children's ministers to most effectively reach the kids of their community and world. So that's the purpose of Kids Men University. Uh, I have big dreams with it. I want to do online training seminars. I want to offer curriculum, VBS curriculum, children's church curriculum. I have a whole bunch more children's music that I, I want to record and put out there. So if you want updates on that, you're welcome to go to kidsmenu.com or kidsmenuniversity.com or you could email me kidsmenuniversity at gmail.com and, uh, I could, I could, uh, send out updates, you know, as, as I progress, I've been moving really slow because I do pastor a church. It's growing in the middle of a building project and I just had a baby girl. So, uh, We're, we're very busy, so I don't know when I'm going to get new stuff out, but if you're interested, that's, that's my resource.
0: Awesome. Yeah, definitely want to look forward to that and support that. Well, uh, Pastor Hodge, we just want to say we thank you and appreciate your time. To everybody who's been watching, whether you're watching us online on YouTube live uh, or if you're listening to a podcast, we just want to say we appreciate you taking out the time. You can connect with us at project39.faith. We're just excited about revival, and we want it uh, for everybody out there. Acts chapter 2 and verse 39 says, This promise is unto you and to your children and to all those that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And we are Project 39 for that verse. Acts chapter 2 verse thirty nine. Thank you all so much. Appreciate it. Be blessed in Jesus' name.